This piece is titled, The Day Comes. Wednesday, March 24th, dawns rainy and cool in western Washington. Reports on regional school reopening plans and the upcoming Seattle mayor elections fill the local news, while the Biden administration's vaccination efforts continue to dominate the national headlines. All in all, for most, it's just a normal midweek day. But for Charlie and Olivia, this day has been dreaded. And while they had seen it coming for several months, today brings a sadness deeper and more painful than any they have ever experienced or imagined. Married for more than 60 years, this is the last morning they will spend together in their home. Olivia, ailing and feeble, can no longer be adequately cared for by Charlie and is this morning being taken to live out her life in an assisted living facility. Their time together has been what many would call charmed. Married six days after Charlie returned home to Washington State from time in the service, they owned and managed a neighborhood grocery store on the outskirts of Snohomish. They worked hard and the business had been good to them. They had twice expanded the size of the store as they had become known and trusted for their fresh produce, regional specialties, and fair prices. Over the years, there have been three children, all still alive, one living in England, seven grandchildren, and four great-grandchildren. Along the way was a string of various pets, and summer vacations enjoyed at their cottage in Anacortes, usually with kids and then grandkids present. Charlie had become quite an experienced fisherman, learning the art of studying Puget Sound and Pacific Ocean beaches at low tide in order to know where the fish would collect as the waters surged toward high tide. He claimed his knowledge had something to do with reading the scatter pattern of broken shells strewn on the beach and watching the ways of the feeding seabirds. As happens in all relationships, some rough times had occurred during the years, but always present was the abiding sense that their own relationship was the most special and enduring creation, and this manifested as an empowering attitude through which all challenges were met. Twenty years ago, they sold both their store and home and left Snohomish, retiring to their Anacortes cottage. Nestled on the outskirts of a protected fir and native madrone forest, it became their nature-infused retreat home and it brought them a much slower life. They lived there ever since. The Anacortes years had been good ones. Olivia's wildflower garden was widely known and admired and Charlie constantly believed and referred to himself as the luckiest man in the Pacific Northwest. But age and health had taken their toll and their life together was no longer sustainable. Olivia's everyday needs require regular professional attention, and a local care facility has availability. Reluctantly, sadly, today is the day Olivia is leaving their home for good, with Charlie being left to live on his own. It has been a quiet morning, each woke early, lost in their thoughts. Two small suitcases hold all that Olivia is taking with her. They stand packed by the front door. A car pulls up outside. After a few moments, the doorbell rings. It's just before 10 a.m., and the people from the facility are here to take her. Charlie is going with Olivia, of course. He's planning to spend the day with her and then return home after dinner time. As he walks toward the door, he pauses to turn and looks back into their home. 
On the outside ledge of the kitchen window, a brown warbler eats from the pile of breadcrumbs Olivia makes sure is there each morning. Charlie imagines the goodbye to come later that day. What could they say to each other? How desperately hard it will be to turn away, leaving Olivia, his life's partner, behind in that place. And for her, watching him leave, knowing they are now apart. Olivia sits in a facility wheelchair. Charlie follows slowly as the attendants guide her out the door. As they walk outside, Charlie, determined not to let Olivia see him cry, stops for a moment, dabbing at a tear with his shirt sleeve, and then steps forward, gently closing the cottage door behind him. Change, sometimes wanted, often unwanted, is a central feature of life. It can be both subtle and obvious, exhilarating, frightening, exhausting, and relieving. It will often spark deep sadness or happiness, resistance or grasping. Change is always occurring, whether we seek it, try to hide from it, or simply sit still and wait for it to find us, and it rarely comes in a form we prefer. Experiential insight into impermanence is central to Buddhist practice as it points us toward equanimity in the midst of change and helps us be wiser in how we respond to what comes and goes. Consider how we often resist change. In trying to keep things the way they are, we cling to the idea of permanence. But nothing actually stays the same for two consecutive moments whether a flash of lightning in the night sky or a 60-year-old loving relationship. All is endlessly in flux, evolving, aging, maturing, moving toward and ultimately entering into its own inevitable stages of separation and cessation. Everything, every tree, every blade of grass, all animals, insects, human beings, buildings, the animate and the inanimate, everything in perpetual passage, moment by moment, from beginnings to endings, and then new beginnings, sometimes in hope for ways, and often not. Charlie's and Olivia's exist everywhere. Individual details might differ, but we are all Charlie and we are all Olivia, caught up in the great dance, aware of movement, staring at impending deadlines, seeing it all from our own side, hanging on and falling apart, maturing and decaying, trying to make sense, unable to keep things as we want them to be, swimming in the sadness of learning that nothing really belongs to us. Everything is occurring, all of it, no matter how beautiful or seemingly self-regarded, is gilded with impermanence, becoming and unbecoming, the loop of burgeoning and swooning relationships within every single aspect of our lives. Beware of those who traffic in reassurance of something other or in ethereal fixes, no matter how eloquent or silver-tongued. There is no solution to the ongoing flow of impermanence. Rather, we acknowledge its ceaseless shelf life and work with it as genuinely as we can. For some, from this work comes the realization that impermanence does not burden our life, but quite to the contrary, animates it. Perhaps awakening to this is one aspect of what is meant by the word spiritual. Siddhartha told us, This existence of ours is as transient as autumn clouds, 
A lifetime is like a flash of lightning in the sky, rushing by like a torrent of water down a steep mountain. And so, what to do? Be aware and mindful. And then perhaps the great Persian poet Rumi's advice is best. Come on, sweetheart, let's adore one another before there is no more of you and me. This recording, The Day Comes, was written by Mark Winwood and included in his 2016 collection of writings, Am Stopping My Finger Now, Tibetan Buddhist Musings for Western Life. Mark is the founder of the Chenrizik Project, a Tibetan Buddhist study and practice group resident in Duval, Washington, and with a national online presence. You can learn more about Chenrizik Project at our website, www. Dot chenrezigproject.org. That's C-H-E-N-R-E-Z-I-G project.org. The background music titled Until Then was composed and performed by the San Francisco Bay Area musician Bobby Vega. It appears on his album Down the Road. More about Bobby and his music at his website www.bobbyvega.com B-O-B-B-Y-V-E-G-A dot com or as he's very findable online you can simply google his name or look for his numerous videos on YouTube. We remain grateful to Bobby for his friendship, his talents, and his generosity. My name is Kathy Adams. Thank you for listening.